Sakaris and Price for Tuesday, September the 5th. It is over, folks. Summer behind us in the rearview mirror, and we are here to talk all about it. Jeff Patterson in for the vacationing. Matt Sakaris. We're coming to you from our fabulous studios built by Arbor Lee from the Wall Center downtown. Don't forget about the Weston Wall Center at YVR as well, the fabulous dining at the apron. There's nothing in the fridge when you get home after a flight. Eat well before you go home. Hit the apron at the Weston Wall Center. We are a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, uh, who have the most unique dealership you'll probably ever see. The Applewood Performance Center. If you're a car fan, you want something different than everybody else on the street, go check out the new and premium used vehicles that you just won't find anywhere else. They're at the Applewood Performance Center, applewoodperformancecenter.com. Jeff, we made it to fall. a summer of no hockey. I'm, I'm not giving up the fight just yet, no? Mike. No, I'm going to squeeze a couple more weeks, I okay. think. Okay, okay. But I do know that I uh, sent the kids back, and for some people, it's back to work today for yes. teachers and others. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a demarcation point, but I, I just I can't. I can't allow myself to think that summer is over just yet. I was a little bit sad as I was on the ferry on the way home yesterday, and I was like, oh, do I bother checking the forecast now? Like, how fall are we talking so far? And the forecast is pretty good. Yeah. It, and it's not overly oppressive, so hopefully it doesn't fan any literal flames in terms of firefighting. It, it, it's just nice. And uh, and that sounds good. So hopefully we do get a little bit of an extended pseudo-summer at the very least uh, into the month of September. But as you mentioned, Jeff, lots of things getting underway, which leads us to our Bodog poll question for the day. When does hockey season begin for you now today training camp so that's a couple weeks away or is it opening night do you do you still i i think that's farhan's even though farhan probably gets paid to attend training camp and like if it's not opening night it's not not hockey season so log on cash your vote the three options are there for you on twitter uh and it's all a presentation of bodog your trusted source for sports odds. Uh, international friendlies beginning um, in this international window. I would give you the Canada odds, but of course they uh, they couldn't find a foe or uh, page page down there, Blake. There's got to be a Canadian game in there somewhere. More accurately, <laughs> it couldn't afford to find a foe. Mexico versus Australia, though. Australia plus three thirty. Remember, this is a sort of a watered down Mexican squad these days. I'll, I'll take the underdogs here plus three thirty on the ruse. Um, when does hockey season begin for you? And let me explain the poll question a little bit because people are like, why would it begin now? I don't know. I'm taking, I got to get kids fitted up in hockey skates today. They've got tryouts tomorrow. Um, European leagues are underway. Yeah, BC Hockey League had preseason games over the weekend. Giants are at training camp. Canucks are back in town, a lot of them. And yeah. Skating, and it won't be long before Penticton and Young Stars. So, no, I mean, yeah, through Labor Day. And I think for a lot of people, They would say, like, now I'm going to dig in and start to think about fantasy leagues and all those types of things. Uh, I'm not the target audience because, against my better judgment, I I just I can never leave it fully behind. So uh, I I voted on a sliding scale. I voted now. Yes. uh, But I said on Twitter that uh, basically it never ends, although I did admit that August was a little slow once the Canucks got the the suitor deal done. 
Uh, they kind of went into hiding. There wasn't a whole lot going on there with them. I'll be honest. I, I have, I, you, you say it was slow for, for me. Maybe I was just being optimistic. I felt like we had more to talk about this August than we have had in, in previous Canuck years. And maybe I was just more willing to put it down in previous years um, when I had more time off. And now as independent contractors, we we grind out through the month of, of August. It felt like we had some stuff to talk about. And, hey, this Canucks team has so many flaws and it's still so many holes, still so much to accomplish. Perhaps that's just it, is that there's just there's always a topic to discuss. Yeah, I mean, from the club's perspective, in terms of personnel moves, the Suter deal was really the last yes. thing that they have done. But the Elias Pettersson storyline of the contract is the... The interview he gave for yeah, the sports I mean, yeah. you know, that's a story that's not going away. The scoreboard, they rolled out the, the artist rendering. And then, of course, a week later, they had the issues with the Drake concert. Uh, yeah, so there were some little news and nuggets around the Vancouver Canucks, but just in terms of adding to their roster, uh, once they got Suter done... Uh, you know, there's still a question, like, could they add to their training camp roster with PTOs? And we've seen others uh, signing PTOs and announcing them. We haven't heard anything from the Canucks. They've got a lot of bodies and a lot of guys that are going to be vying for, you know, you think about all the wingers that they've got on the roster. Do they need to add another into that mix? But at the same time, like, there is zero risk to the organization in bringing guys in on a PTO. Alex Jason made the team two years ago. Danny DeKaiser was given an opportunity last year. Uh, skated with Tyler Myers. You know, they didn't handcuff him with an AHL guy that had never touched the the National Hockey League. Like, they gave DeKaiser an opportunity, but, you know, he had to be better than what they already had. And I think the same thing would apply this year for anybody that they bring in. So I'm not expecting that they're going to go the PTO route, but they are an organization that certainly has done that. And as recently as Jason two years ago, I mean, he made the hockey club and scored 13 goals for them. Yeah, I, I think they probably deserve to... Fish for fish around for somebody, and you do need bodies generally because you generally like to have three bigger squads at a training camp and for rotation, have two teams playing against each other while the third squad trains elsewhere and and just fleshes out generally the young young guys group, if you will. So bodies are helpful. Um, said whatever it was a week ago that would have almost been nice if the two former Canucks at the Oilers snabbed up or were PTOs here under their watchful eye, but whatever. Well, let's go back to Friday because you weren't here, mm-hmm. but there was this video last week of Tanner Pearson competing, taking part in Troy Stetcher's pro development camp out in Richmond. And, you know, if you didn't know the backstory, Tanner Pearson looked the part of a hockey player, which, you know, two weeks out from camp gives you the indication now that, you know, he's showing up and he's going to be looking for his old job back. And so when we talk about PTOs, it's almost like in some ways, I know yeah. he's under contract, uh, but Tanner Pearson's got an awful lot to prove. Hasn't played a game since uh, last November, the 9th of November, I think it was, when he actually broke the hand. I, our poll question was, can he help the Canucks? And I'm going to be fascinated because as much attention as there's going to be on Tanner Pearson's hand, I, I think there's probably as many questions about his feet and his foot speed. I mean, he's never been a fast guy. He's been out of action for almost 10 months. Like, what does he look like when he arrives on the Canucks doorstep for training camp. And fitness is a big thing. And yet for an older guy, maybe some revitalization as well. Like all the little nicks and knocks, they probably get ironed out over that time. Maybe it gives an older player um, a chance to to find some fountain of youth, if you will. So we'll see what kind of Tanner Pearson shows up. Speaking of that poll question, by the way, 43% yes, 57% no. That's a, I mean, that's it's a, it's a notable yes grouping there. 
saying that he can help the Vancouver Canucks? Well, I, I think part of that is they're not a big team, especially up front. Mm-hmm. And we know that Rick Tockett is going to bang that drum loudly about wall work and board battles. And that is when Tanner Pearson's on his game, that's what he can bring. So when you look at you know, who can play that style for the Canucks, Dakota Joshua, Phil Giuseppe, you want to believe that Vasily Podkolzin is going to show up and really kind of make a statement here. And he adds that, fel- that physical element. And then you got Tanner Pearson. Otherwise, you know, this isn't a big, heavy team. And we know that that's what the coach likes. So, you know, Tanner Pearson hasn't played for Rick Tockett. He got hurt well before Tockett was on the scene. Uh, he's going to have to prove to himself. He's going to have to prove to the coaching staff that he's still got it and he can contribute here. And the other thing to keep in mind is 3.25 mil. And I think a lot of people thought, oh, Poolman and Pearson right there. There's your LTIR. But even more than that, it's that Tanner Pearson signed a contract during COVID when the Canucks weren't giving out a lot of money. It's back in loaded. He's actually making $4.25 million in take-home pay this year, uh, a million more than his cap hit. So just keep that in mind as well if it gets to the point, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but an expiring contract. Like, what if this is an incredible redemption story? He comes back, he plays well. You know, if it isn't going the way the Canucks want it, Closer to the trade deadline, could he be an asset with the, you know, a Stanley Cup experience, a Stanley Cup on his resume, all those types of things? So the profile of the player is a good one for the Vancouver Canucks, but he, you know, him at his best. If he's not at his best, what kind of usage do the Vancouver Canucks have for Tanner Pearson? It's going to be well. And I've forgotten. Somebody pointed out to me that beyond the fact he had one goal in fourteen games before he got hurt last year. Yeah. He had taken nine minor penalties in those 14 games as well, and most of them were hooking and holding. Like, is that the start of the decline of a guy that just can't keep up with the pace of, you know, an ever speedier National Hockey League? And and I do worry a little bit about that for Tanner Pearson. Yeah, and and they've already acquired some players that have a penchant for taking penalties as well. So adding a few to the mix, probably not, uh, not the smartest thing for a team that struggled on the penalty kill. And again, there's every bit the reason to suspect that this team will be much better on the penalty kill this season than they were a year ago. But I still don't think you want to put yourself in the line of fire that much either. Um, yes, it's the first day of school. Summer break is over and all your kids' fall sports are about to begin too. But today is also something else. It begins the 10-day countdown to the <laughs> Tyler Myers Bonus. I feel like there should be a clock in yes. front of the art gallery like there was ahead of the Olympics. <laughs> right. Uh, and I think a lot of Canucks fans, not all, but I think a lot of them will be counting down the days. Now, you know, depending on how the Canucks line up on the blue line, Tyler Myers might be on the third pair. Might be. I don't believe that. I don't believe that with his resume, they actually would end up doing that. But it's possible. And just from a hockey skill-wise, do you have any problem with Tyler Myers on your third pair? I don't. It is the contract, though, and the Tanner Pearson story that you just brought up is kind of woven into this countdown as well. Because if you can find a way to offload Tyler Myers, the return of Tanner Pearson all of a sudden doesn't sting as much. Right. That if you can move Tyler Myers and the cap hit, then absolutely. I mean, that unlocks... Uh, an awful lot for the Vancouver Canucks. They're already out from under most of Oliver Ekman Larson's deal for this year. Uh, it will come back to haunt them uh, down the road. But uh, for this year, there are savings that they're going to realize. But boy, if they could, 
if they can go into a season without OEL and Tyler Myers, uh, that does change the conversation around their cap and their flexibility and what they might be able to do to continue to improve this hockey club. I, I just think, like, when I look at their depth chart, I still don't know who's going to play on the right side with Quinn Hughes, but somebody, it's likely Ian Cole, but it could be Carson Soucy, I suppose. Then you got Philip Ronick. Like, I just don't see a way that Tyler Myers plays higher in their lineup. And, mm-hmm. you know, a $6 million cap hit on your third pair, that's not ideal. And then the question is, who's he playing with? And I do think that that's going to be one of the battles to watch in training camp is that third pair on the left side uh, after either Susie or Cole and Quinn Hughes. And then I think you're looking at the candidates of Lannon and Hiroshi. And, you know, I think Matt Irwin's still going to try to come and put his best foot forward. They sign him. He's not on a PTO, but a veteran guy that played 60 games for Washington last year. BC boy coming home back end of his career. So there are some options there, and I think that's absolutely going to be uh, the battle to watch. I, I still think it's more likely that Tyler Myers starts the season here and gets his bonus on September 15th. Uh, you know, see how the season goes for the Vancouver Canucks, but I could see them trying to pedal him closer to the deadline, experienced, right-shot guy, virtually no cap hit at that point. And by then... You know, where's Ethan Bear in all of this, right? Like, I think that's part of the whole conversation, too. But Ethan Bear is not ready now and won't be until closer to Christmas time. So, you know, could you keep Tyler Myers in the fold until you have his replacement ready to step back into the lineup? Just to recap for those that are wondering, what countdown to what now? <laughs> Remember, bonus paid out on September the 15th to Tyler Myers. I'm sure Tyler Myers is counting. It is true. That's a nice little, you know, injection into the bank account. Um, He gets his bonus. Doesn't change his cap hit. He will get $6 million on the cap no matter where he plays this season. But, of course, he becomes a $1 million out of pocket for a player for whoever would acquire him. So he gets traded to, let's just pull a name out of the hat, the San Jose Sharks, say. Um, They only have to pay him a million dollars from the time they acquire him after September the 15th until the end of the season. So for a team that's not expecting to contend, but does need to put bodies in the lineup and reach the salary cap floor, et cetera, et cetera, he's a nice player to have. And he also maybe stops you from being completely embarrassing on the blue line. Again, he's a fine player. I just wouldn't pay him $6 million. I don't think anybody else in the National Hockey League would either. But if he was a free agent right now and you could say, would you have him in your lineup for $3 million? I think I'd probably have him in my lineup for $3 million and have him on my third pair. Yeah, I mean, at half his price, perhaps. On a one-year deal where you didn't have I'm really, term? And we deal in the here and now. But I am fascinated to, if we could fast forward a year, a 34-year-old Tyler Myers, if he continues to struggle with his reads and some of his defensive zone coverage, uh, I'm curious if he'll get another contract in the National Hockey League. Oliver Ekman Larson's making 2.25 this year. So yeah, there's there's sort of an example of what I'm talking about. He's a National Hockey League player again. Yeah, now his was a different situation because he could afford to take the haircut, obviously, get the payout. Yes, but, yeah. but you're right, and Florida needed some stopgap guys because Ekblad and Montour and others uh, are injured after their run of the Stanley Cup final. So... Yeah, I mean, we'll see what kind of, can OEL have a rebirth, uh, you know, in a low-pressure market like South Florida? I think it's a perfect place for him, and I think it's probably why he handpicked it. I mean, uh, 
you know, as far away from Vancouver geographically, but also just in terms of the coverage and the scrutiny and the expectations and everything else, I, I do think that it'll allow OEL to sort of anonymously return to the National Hockey League, and we'll see if this game returns with him. But uh, Tyler Myers, uh, you know, because he's as big as he is, he stands out, his mistakes seem louder uh, than other players. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is there are mistakes, and he's not great defensively. And so, you know, on a third pair, that's probably the best place for him at this stage of his career. But again, uh, who's on the other side there and is, you know, the left side guy propping up Tyler Myers or is Tyler Myers going to be asked to sort of carry uh, that third pair? It wasn't that long ago that uh, Ole Levy was partnered with Tyler Myers and the hope was that the veteran guy could bring the rookie along. Obviously, that didn't work out. So here we are. And again, that left side on the third pair, really going to be one of the battles to watch when training camp gets underway in a couple of weeks. Also over the weekend, uh, by the way, we are going to the Olympics in men's basketball. Yeah, um, Fabulous come from behind victory for Canada over Spain to get them into the quarterfinals of this World Cup, a world championship. Um, but more importantly, they're into the Olympics, which should bring everybody out to play. You can see Andrew Wiggins was even tweeting about it. He seems to be interested again. Jamal Murray would certainly be even in this tournament if his health was a little bit better as well. So dare to dream that just a year from now, we're talking next year's Olympics, Canada is in for the first time in 23 years as Luka Doncic versus Shea Gilgis-Alexander tomorrow morning. So we'll have more on that game on tomorrow's show. But uh, this this is bringing people's eyeballs to Canadian basketball this tournament. And uh uh, you wonder if it's going to have the same kind of effect as, you know, now the scrutiny of Canada soccer, certainly, but there's also excitement about Canada soccer. And you wonder if Canada basketball is about to get the same treatment. Well, we did Friday's show, and it was all about the disappointment of the loss to Brazil. Canada had a 10-point lead going to the fourth quarter and flushed it, and then the tables turned completely. They were down 12 against Spain, yeah. and it wasn't looking good. And then a massive fourth quarter outscored the Spanish 27-12. to 12. I uh, was glad to see guys like R.J. Barrett and Dylan Brooks bounce back because they both had brutal games on Friday, but they were big time. Dylan Brooks with 22 points. Uh, R.J. Barrett had 16. Shea Gilders-Alexander led the way as he has throughout this tournament. Uh, he had 30 points. Now, the Olympic thing, the Olympics in and of itself, as you said, for the first time since Sydney in the year 2000, I that should get full buy-in, but I think it also really helps that it's in one of the great cities of the world in Paris and from the east coast of North America, relatively easy and direct travel. It's, you're not asking these guys to go halfway around the world. You're not asking them to go uh, down under like they did in the year 2000. I, I, really, it's a pretty easy place to get to when you think of world geography. So that should, but just the grand stage and the fact that, yes, I mean, at the top end, like we can roll out a team that, as you're seeing at this, World Cup, but also a year from now at the Olympics, uh, we should be able to compete for a spot on the podium. And not only is it easy geographically, you know, they love their vacation. Like they, they, they liked some downtime. You know, you play in the Olympics, you go to Mallorca after, you sure. know, like yeah. you, you can, you can weave it in. There's a, there's a dangling carrot for them. There's a reason to expect that everybody will come out of the woodwork and try to play in that Olympic games. But let's see what they can do in this one because you know, the Olympics, it may be harder to win gold. I think this is a pretty wide open tournament. Like, do you think in your mind Canada would get obliterated by this group of Americans? I don't think so. No, no, no. 
like there's not I mean there's star power but small s star yeah. power on that Olympic on that American team and so yeah I mean it's not crazy to think gold now again beating Luka Doncic <laughs> is no small feat either right. uh, they're probably thinking the exact same thing as I just said but it is an open field right now. It should be a lot of fun to see what Canada does. Also on the weekend, Lions victory over the Montreal Alouettes snaps the two-game skid for the Leos. Um, they are back firmly in second place in the CFL's West Division at 16 points. They've got a four-point cushion, but they have to give a game to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now who are back there at 12 points. And and all of a sudden, there's a third team with a winning record. There was a long time yeah. where that wasn't the case. They're, the Riders now are a winning team at 6-5 and five on the season, could potentially be 7-5, and five, depending on what they do with the game in hand. Um, although they're going to be in tough in the Banjo Bowl versus Winnipeg, which is to say that Winnipeg you know, is still holding all the cards in this. The Lions are going to have to be near perfect leading up into that final matchup with the Bombers coming up on October the 6th, but uh, a nice performance. Vernon Adams back looking like himself. Um, the defense stepped up with some interceptions as well and some sacks. It, 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 that was more what we know the Lions to be. Yeah, I thought Vernon Adams' uh, dual threat, I mean, 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, doesn't throw an interception, but he also had 54 yards on the ground. So allowing his legs to create some space and buy some time for him and then uh, – I just thought that the touchdown to Alexander Hollins over the middle, the 62-yard touchdown in the second quarter, maybe the touchdown of the year for the BC Lions so far, an incredible throw from Adams and Hollins, the concentration in traffic. I mean, there are three alouettes around him, and he's the guy that comes up with the ball. You could see one of the Montreal defenders pounding the turf as uh, he re- realized uh, this wasn't going to end well for, for him and his team, and Alexander Hollins uh, sneaks into the end zone. Uh, Holland's had two more touchdowns. Like this guy is all he does is step up and make plays for the BC Lions with all the talk of, you know, Lucky and Keon Hatcher exactly. and Rhymes. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you look like game in, game out, and it's been Alexander Holland's right from the start. And so, uh, incredible touchdown. Uh, big point of that football game. Lions uh, got out in front. And then, as you said, they had to come back and, and ultimately got the job done. So, after two straight losses, that's a good win. Uh, for the Lions into a bye week here. And uh, then really, as we always say, you know, the CFL season doesn't start till after Labor Day. Lions are positioned well. But, uh, boy, I hope that game on October 6th, I hope that they have a chance to reel in Winnipeg because I think, uh, uh, you know, the buildup and the excitement and everything else. But they have to think more about fending off Saskatchewan and doing whatever they can in their power to secure a home playoff day. With the start that they had of the season, it would be disappointing if the Lions don't host a playoff game. Holland's second in receiving yards at 879, um, ahead of Hatcher's 820, by the way. He's fifth. And Holland's with six touchdowns, one back of the league lead in that regard for receiving touchdowns as well. So quite a season for them. Um, a little less notable um, because of the results and how it was accomplished. The Caps got a draw with NYCFC. But it's on the road, a seven-game road trip that we've been talking about for so long. They're two wins and a draw so far, which is fabulous for them. But what a horrific game that was. One of the most boring. The, the commentators couldn't help but draw attention to the fact that it was such a boring game. And they have to stop NYCFC from playing at Yankee Stadium. Um, I, I'm told it is a matter of a few feet narrower I don't know if I believe that secondarily. It just doesn't look like that. Like it, it looks like they're playing in a high school 
hallway. Yeah, it's a corridor. It really like it, the street outside Yankee Stadium feels like it would be wider yes. than the pitch that they play on. And even though we know that it is that way, and I've seen games uh, over the years, I still find it jarring. It's it's unbelievable. And I would think as a like as an offensive player, like you know, your time and space is limited. And as a defender, things would unfold so quickly. The ball would get to the middle of the park like that much faster. And it, it just, it must be weird. Like New York is their home pitch. They get it. But to go in there as a visitor once a year or I think Caps hadn't been there in a bunch of years. Yeah. Like I, I think it would be off-putting. And the temporary grass laid down yeah. over the infield. Like it is a bad look for the league. Like, you're going to welcome Lionel Messi to Yankee Stadium at some point? Like, really? Like, that's, he's going to say, really? After all I've seen so far, it's been pretty good. And now I got to play here? Like, that doesn't make a ton of sense. So, um, caps are off for a couple of weeks into Toronto, a team in turmoil, of course, uh, in a couple of weeks, oh, a week and a half uh, time now as well. So, a chance to, I mean, they've got Colorado coming up. Colorado just fired their coach. So two more teams on this road trip that have just fired their coaches that are near the bottom of the league. Like now all of a sudden, can you start to think optimistically about the white caps on this road trip? I think you can. I yeah. Think, I mean, what are they, two games in hand on Seattle and Seattle sitting second. I mean, they're not catching St. Louis. St. Louis is yeah. only cool to top, but there's a path the to second in the conference. Absolutely. There is. And you know, you mentioned Messi and, Already, yeah. I mean, the highlights that this guy has created, but the buzz around his very being and to make a trip into Los Angeles and to see the star power that was out in force this weekend to get the full Lionel Messi uh, effect. Uh, I mean, Prince Harry shows up at the park. Leo DiCaprio, LeBron James, uh Magic Johnson, Jason oh, Sudeikis, Owen Wilson, yeah, yes, Selena Gomez. Like, I mean, that's what you want if you're MLS. Is you know you get those sorts of eyeballs and their social media power and everything else. And so uh, Messi did his thing, and they end up winning. He puts on another show, and and interesting comments so far coming out of that match too. Um, Carlos Vela of LAFC saying. People are too spellbound. We're too spellbound by Lionel Messi. And it's A, he's very good. B, he's been surrounded now by Alba, um, by Busquets, and by, uh, this doesn't get talked about a lot. They've got a bunch of U23 players they brought in at the same time as these guys, really good young players. Um, but in addition to all of that skill, Carlos Vela thinks that MLS players are getting spooked by this. They, they're, they're seeing Messi and they're just freezing and forgetting their instincts. And having just watched the highlights, I, I think that it looks like it. They, yeah, I, I think that there's silly a mistakes truth to that. Yeah, like just getting mesmerized. Yeah, <laughs> that's messy. If Gretzky shows up to your men's league game. You're probably <laughs> watching for a little bit, right? So uh, we'll see how uh, the caps. Wayne, Wayne or Paulina? Well, yeah, either way, they might be spellbound. Uh, yeah, we'll get into uh, all that when it happens uh, with regards to uh, the caps possibly hosting Lionel Messi sometime down the road. So we'll uh, we'll see when that happens. Uh, Vancouver Canadians, by the way, still on the road um, into Tri-City as they look to close out the uh, the season strong. But uh, keep in mind that playoffs are just around the corner. Head to CanadiansBaseball.com to get your tickets set for that. They finish off the regular season on the road. Uh 
we can tell you coming up on today's show, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, by the way, before speaking of fun, how, were you transfixed by the Burning Man news over the weekend? <laughs> the mud and the traffic jam. The yeah, I mean, I've the conspiracy theories, <laughs> the the protestations from the inside. Everything's fine. This is the best. We love this. To outside, going these people are just so enamored with themselves. That, you know, like it, it. It has been quite. And folks, this is I've got close personal family that are there or have left. So I'm I'm just I'm trying to be polite while just thinking, oh, my God, are you serious? It, it, it's been quite the scene. It was good content. I laughed at like these people that were putting like their feet in plastic bags yes. to walk. And then they were saying like the mud was so thick that it basically was like wearing concrete yes. boots. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound. And people like then just like gassing it in their motorhomes <laughs> to try to get through them. <laughs> like, honestly, it was too much fun. Um, but I digress. We don't get into that in hashtags, which is just around the corner. Patrick Johnson of the province is our guest today. We'll talk to him about the uh, Myers countdown and a whole bunch more as well. And if you have any feedback for us throughout the course of the day, of course, into the great clips inbox seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. Great clips. It's going to be great. So will the show stick around. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and very excited to announce the release of Yellow Dog's very first mix pack, Box of Tricks. Choose between the classic Play Dead IPA, the award-winning Rough West Coast IPA, and two brand new beers, Growl Extra Pale Ale and Tug of War New Zealand IPA, hitting the shelves on Tuesday, November 7th. And at the end of a busy workday, treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or workshop spirit. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. This is Garrison Price coming to you from the Wall Center and a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group after uh, spending so much time over the course of the, especially the last month of the summer, in the family car, if you will, um, that is absolutely disgusting right now. Boy, was it nice to jump into the Mitsubishi Outlander that I call mine, that I can, you know, I can ward off everybody. It is in mint condition inside and out. And, of course, so much fun to drive. Massive screen inside, quilted leather seats, and the fuel efficiency, again, have yet to get to the fuel pumps after being with this car for a month. Yet to head to the gas station. Go check it out at the Richmond Automall Applewood Mitsubishi. Uh, Blake and Jeff joined by Patrick Johnson of the province, who joins us every week here and will throughout the course of the Canucks season on Sakaris and Price. The hockey season, if you will, Patrick, which has, which has begun, question mark, question mark? <laughs> the first day of school is the beginning of hockey season? I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's hockey season in Europe. I don't think of hockey season until really, you know, we get to uh, the week of training camp. 
Is that an option? Are you going to Penticton? There's 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 people playing competitive ish games in Canucks jerseys in Penticton. I I suppose I've never I've never I mean I've always enjoyed the the idea of the prospects camp. I kind of lump. I mean I know and of course juniors started all that started. I I don't know. Like yeah, I guess hockey. You never I've never pondered when does hockey season start. Um, I suppose it's now. I've always thought of it sort of training camp, but you know that. That's 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 only one season. That's the NHL season. The rest of hockey has already started. So I suppose if you make me say something, I will say sure. This week it'll start. Phew. Phew. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, the, the Canucks continue to skate. We'll get to that in a second. Um, we have also marked today as the ten day countdown starting for Tyler Myers' bonus to be paid out, which is with a wink and a nudge to some degree, but also there is still a small possibility that that is of consequence to the Vancouver Canucks and its roster for training camp at opening night. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, I've, as we've been saying since, what is it, June, when Frank Cervelli first floated the idea that there is a trade on the table. Um, I mean, nothing's ever really been refuted. And, of course, the San Jose Sharks have moved on from Eric Carlson in theory, they have a hole to fill. Um, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, big pile of money due to Tyler Myers. <clears throat> Oddly enough, I mean, this is the one thing, to go back to the original question, training camp is so late. I haven't really figured out why. I mean, normally it felt like it would be the middle of September. It's not till what, the 21st, you know, still well, three weeks away, really, um, or two and a half weeks, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's certainly the timing... Uh, if you're looking for things to chatter about before training camp, uh, the timing is interesting. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, big pile. I mean, happy September, Tyler Myers, no matter what. That's a big pile of money coming your way in the last year of your contract. <laughs> yeah, he comes out the big winner regardless. He's getting the big bump there uh, on the 15th. Uh, I know you wrote about Troy Stetcher's pro development camp out in Richmond last week, and Tanner Pearson appeared to be a full participant, which – is interesting. I mean, as we sit here a couple of weeks out from camp, it, it certainly looks now like Tanner Pearson is going to be in Victoria as a hockey player and not an LTIR candidate for the Vancouver Canucks. But it it begs the question: after ten months off, like what is he to the Vancouver Canucks? Do you think? Well, he first of all, yes. I mean, I went out there on Thursday and and they played a scrimmage, and there he was skating involved. Uh, yeah. It, as a side note, I mean, I talked to I did I talked I didn't talk to Pearson, you know, it was obvious he was playing, you could see. And um, I, I spent a moment talking to Troy Stetcher and he was absolutely delighted about how well the, the sort of, obviously I think he knew the camp was going to go well. It was a Derek Popke show off the ice, the yard athletics involved. They were very excited. Um, but, but the community response kind of blew him away. And, and so standing outside the arena after, uh, after they had come off the ice and were, you know, in the in the sockeyes room getting changed and came out, and there was just the back door there coming over to wherever they parked, you know, the swarm of kids and the swarm of kids that descended on Tanner Pearson, you know, you couldn't help but feel good for the guy um, that 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 here is a Vancouver Canuck, and that's all that mattered. And and the kids saw him as that, and they couldn't wait to get his autograph. And there he was signing autographs with his, you know, with his hands. Hands looked fine. Um, yeah, I fully expect that he will be there at training camp. Uh, now we've seen it. You know, obviously there were the rumblings for, for for weeks on end, but now we've seen him skate 
Um, obviously, he still has to show that the strength is there and he has to be able to play in some games and um, be a factor. I do think the sort of budgeting question that there is essentially a million dollar gap in how you build the roster and what they need to save and the amount of money they would save off his cap hit by putting him in the AHL. Um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's an option we see here, certainly to start. Um, it, it, you, you pencil in the lineup. Obviously, you know, there are, he's not way down the depth chart. Uh, you know, Niels Hoaglander, likes that Niels Hoaglander has to show, Vasily Podkolzin have to show that they are more ready to go than he is um, and that the team feels that they are better options than he is. Uh, but yeah, certainly he'll be in the mix, um, and I'm sure he will play NHL games for this team this year. I mean, he is an NHL forward. Uh, he may not be. I mean, he's never fleet as a foot, but he's a smart player. Um, you know, I just knows the game, and he knows what he's doing, and he's he's figured out a way as as the, the years have evolved to remain a very useful player. And and um, uh, you know. Obviously, the role he's going to fill may not match his salary, but he won't be the first player in that type of situation. We just mentioned Tyler Myers. Uh, so I, as it stands, I think it's every reason to think he is going to be in the mix. Whether he's on the open egg roster, I think is a different question, but certainly he'll be in the mix come training camp. But a couple of weeks out from training camp, just which is a bigger issue, do you think, or in your mind, when you think of Tanner Pearson, is it the hand or is it his feet? Yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. And certainly you look at the lineup, the way they want to play, uh, you know, being a smart player in your thirties only takes you so far in what is more and more a young man's league. Absolutely. Jeff, I think that's the big question. And I think that is one of the qu- reasons why we sit there and think, well, maybe he will start the year in the American hockey league, that that, that is something he's just going to be a call up guy. I mean, Phil DiGiuseppe is not a fleet of foot guy and as a result has been a tweener for quite some time. You look at the guys who are tweeners, um, you know, who have enough ability, enough talent, all that. Uh, Tanner Pearson's a better player than Phil DiGiuseppe, I think. Uh, obviously a few years older, but but the, the feet are everything. And the feet are, the, I think, unfortunately, the first thing to go. I mean, we saw, obviously, if you have any issues, we saw the OEL experience last year. Um, if you know if you can't get there, there's not a lot you can do, and then that that is the big question. I think we, I think we've solved the question: Can his hands do it? His hands probably can do it. Still has to show, but in the end, the feet are uh, are kind of everything. And if he can't get there, then then there won't be a role for him. I think that's that's the other thing to consider. They don't even need to call it a conditioning stint um, because I I don't think they're worried about him being claimed off waivers. And if he did, I'd probably be a benefit to them to some degree. Um, but he has to be expecting it, right? He has to be expecting that given all that he's gone through, how far removed he is from competitive play, he kind of has to be expecting that he's going to be playing some games in the AE to start, doesn't he? Well, you know, I mean, we, you go back to the, the the press conference we had with him in, in April and, you know, he sort of set his hierarchy of priorities and, Number one, he just wanted to play with his kids, you know, yeah. that, that he was still sitting there. You know, it's amazing. You still go back and look at those photos that we got at, at the press conference. And he had that big cat, you know, that big splint on his hand. Um, he just wanted to get his hand strength back. And down the list was being a hockey player again. So, you know, he's in that – he's presumably in that range. He just wants to show he can be a hockey player again. Now, obviously, you know, he wasn't like he was struggling before he got hurt, um, so that I'm sure in the back of his mind is going, well, what are we talking about here? I'm still an NHL player, clearly. Um, 
but in the end, yeah, he's got to show that. I mean, the, the, the foot speed is going to be a problem as you go through your thirties. Uh, the hand assuming it's healed, uh, you still have to remain productive. And that's the, uh, that's the thing. He's been a pretty productive player in Vancouver. Um, but if he's not being productive, then that starts to be an issue for him. I'm not terribly surprised that we haven't heard a PTO name yet, but if we're, if we're talking next week and there hasn't been a PTO, is that more interesting to you? Uh, I mean, we, I still kind of think where I was at last week. I mean, there are times when there, there are times when a, a PTO makes some sense. We saw Danny DeKaiser last year um, and, and, you know, trying to see, okay, is there something left in a venture and big left shot defenseman? And they discovered there wasn't. Um <clears throat> I, I, you look back and you, there's not a ton of spots there. Um, you know, it's funny. I know before I, I mean, Alex Edler, he's out there. I don't have any idea if that's something that's possible, if that's even something you look at. Um, but that certainly would be a fascinating storyline if he was able to come in. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I have no sense one way or another. I look at the roster. I don't see a necessarily whole, but that's never stopped teams from bringing guys in on PTOs before. Um, I, I don't think there's a Jack Skilly type PTO here where, you know, they come in and win a spot bizarrely at a training camp. Hey, Alex um, Chason did it two years ago. So Alex Chason did it two years. Absolutely. Alex Chason, I'm going to do it again, I guess. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, 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 the PTO element to me always has been more about having enough veterans for your preseason games. I'm not sure the Canucks are going to be as stretched in that regard as they might have been in the past. Uh, but the thing I, I think more than anything, I've said that I can't remember how many times I've said this to Jeff now, but in the five years doing this job, the biggest thing I've learned is you never say never to anything in hockey. Well, and as Jeff has pointed out too, all the wisdom that comes out of this man, um, Ethan Bear is sort of a pocket PTO, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, like he can sort of break under glass in a few months and and maybe extract a, an Ethan Bear if you need to. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it, well, I mean, that's I, I I think you know, time and talked to Ethan a month ago uh, when I wrote about his hockey camp. Pretty much that I, you kind of had a feeling that's kind of how he's looking at things. He recognizes that he's going to fit in in a spot when he's ready. And hopefully there's a team out there. And, you know, I think he hopes that it's the Canucks that are the team. But if there's a different team that needs a right shot defenseman and there's an opportunity there, he's going to jump for it. Um, and that in many ways is, you know, I mean, I think teams know that he'll be able to play. It's not like he's dealing with a foot injury or a hand injury or something like that. It's, you know, obviously has to recover from a shoulder injury, but it was not a, it was not an unusual shoulder issue. Uh, I, I, he, he could, yeah, very well be that guy that you bring in later on and you get, you get, uh, a little boost mid season and, and um, I mean, that's almost like, I suppose that's the reverse PTO. You're you're aiming high as opposed to seeing what's there. Uh, it was last Labor Day weekend uh, a year ago that JT Miller got his extension. Obviously, it kicks in now. What if anything changes? Like if you ask JT, he would say nothing. You know, and it's not like he was making pocket change and now he's making eight million bucks. But you know, you are associated with the dollar figure that you're attached to with your contract. Uh, what do you think changes, if anything, just in terms of expectations and pressure and those types of things around JT Miller? Well, the expectations are obvious. You know, he's being paid to be a frontline player, whereas, you know, it was sort of like, hey, that's great. He's a good value player for a long time. Now he's got to produce. He's got to keep producing. I, I do think from his standpoint, and, you know, obviously you're con- 
when your conversations are essentially limited to what you get in the dressing room, um, they can be, you know, a lot of players are careful with their cards. I, I feel like I have talked enough with JT Miller over the years to have a bit of a sense of what he thinks of himself, of his role as a player, of his role in the room as a leader. Obviously, he's a vocal guy. I mean, I've talked about this on end, you know, more than once. He's brought it up himself, knowing that, you know, his his instincts to be loud um, can get him into trouble and that he needs to find a bit of a happy medium. But he's still going to be vocal and forceful and be that type of player. Um, and I think he more than, and he's talked a bit about it. I mean, looking back at last year and how, how, you know, poor the start was going, you know, basically tried to think he could fix it all himself. And then it almost, you know, you watch the way things went and the number of times he was caught standing still, it's almost like he went sort of too far around and, and stalled himself out, if you will, put, push the gas too hard, flooded the engine. Um, is he a player that's going to be able to kind of figure out how to regulate that? Well, he talk about, you've been talking about thirties. I mean, this is the player he is. So, uh, you know, I think, I think he is very much aware of what the contract means. Um, I don't think he's a guy that's necessarily going to take the foot off the gas because he does like to win and he does like to compete. That's what's driven him his whole career. Um, like I said, the, the weight of expectations will be there now. I think he's aware of it. We'll see how he handles it. Patrick, getting closer, inching, inching, <laughs> yeah. inching. Um, yeah. Really, two more pre pre uh, training camp hits. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, looking forward to those, and we'll be uh, getting set for Penticton next week, of course, as well. So, uh, thank you for this, sir. We're almost there. Almost there, guys. See you soon. Hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. As always, a presentation of Jason Hominick. I've had a saying on the show that I've dropped many times. Best time to plant an orchard is 30 years ago. Second best time is today. And that's also the best time to lock in your rate for your next mortgage. Whether you're house hunting and the housing market's expected to heat up a little bit in the fall, or if you're just looking to renew your mortgage, lock it in now. You'll have that rate for up to 120 days. And if that rate changes and goes down, guess what? You could just get that rate instead, but you might as well lock in now if you know that your mortgage is up for renewal. Talk to Jason Hominick, get those sorts of tidbits and a lot more at jason.com. Morgan. Jeff, you want to get us started? Sure. It was the first full weekend of college football. Big yes. win for the Washington Huskies over Boise State at home on Saturday. Even bigger win for Oregon against Portland State. Did you see the final in this one? I did not. 81 to 7. Mm. So Matt Martingale is uh he covers college football. Uh the 74-point margin of victory, the largest by Oregon football in any game. Since they defeated Willamette 97 nothing Blake, in the 1916 season opener. 1916, mm, not 60. That. So we're going back over 100 years. Yeah, 81 to 7 Oregon wins on Saturday. Twitter was a buzz for that 97 nothing <laughs> shutout. It was, uh, I remember that day, yeah. Uh, at Mike Beauvais, uh, RIP to Smash Mouth lead singer Steve Harwell, passed away on the weekend, who famously used this website, Twitter, to tell the Oakland A's that their ownership was cheap as shit and their fans <laughs> deserved better. Um, an unbelievable, it's a screen grab of the exchange as it started up. Um, 
uh, this is all off of the Smash Mouth uh, Twitter address. Um, he had tweeted some sort of criticism of the athletics, to which the A's, on, again, on their official <laughs> Twitter uh, address, up late, desperately tweeting for relevancy, question mark. Hey, now, that's not very all-star of you, says the athletics, to which Smash Mouth responds, and it's Harwell. You guys made zero key additions last offseason. Same this offseason. You have great fans. Come on, give them something. Another fan weighs in. Hey, guys, come on. Why can't we be friends? Last year was rough, but I'm a believer, dropping a couple of titles of Smash Mouth songs, to which Smash Mouth comes back again. Just last year, not saying you should expect a World Series, but this team is doing stuff way too cheap. And the A's respond again, guess you've got it all figured out, except how to make a hit since 1999. Oh, <laughs> off the top row. Gin music from the A's. <laughs> yes. I knew this, but I had sort of forgotten it, that Smash Mouth had the resurgence with Shrek. Yes. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. No. I. I think they. They made their money off that. I mean, it was a hit for sure the first time around, but it went nuclear when uh, when uh, Shrek got laid. And um, we still. I, at least I haven't read a, a cause of death, but uh, thoughts are with Smash Mouth and a diehard A's fan, Steve Harwell. He had all sorts of health complications. Did he, uh, he had to step yeah. away from the band. A few yes, years he did. Ago yeah. And, yeah. So it was in hospice care, and uh, yeah, the end. Uh, came over the weekend. Uh, all right. Uh, I've got one from John Perlberg, who does stats for a number of Canadian sports outlets. This one pertains to uh, last night's football game between the Edmonton Elks and the Calgary Stampeders. 135 rushing yards by Trey Ford, the most ever by a Canadian quarterback in a single game in CFL history. This is a record that had stood since 1964. I'm going in the Wayback Machine today. Uh, with my hashtags, Russ Jackson had 134 yards rushing uh, on October the 6th, 1964, uh, with Ottawa against Saskatchewan. Now, part of this is there aren't many Canadian quarterbacks, right? No. So uh, certainly that, now, anyway, I yeah. think there was a bit of a more of a prevalence of them, but, but still, 135. I don't yeah. care your country of origin or birthright. 135 yards rushing by Trey Ford last night. Uh, still not enough to help the Elks get past the Stampeders. Yeah, it had uh, people thinking big on behalf of the Elks, Adam, the former bath guy, in fact, chirping in, or sorry, it was basketball, Phil chirping in, the Elks are making the playoffs. No, they're not. Was, was no, they're Phil, not. was that tweeted at us during the big lead that the Elks had? I'm, but it I'm, does look like we're going to have CFL playoffs without either Alberta team, which like in my lifetime, I'm yeah. not sure that that's ever happened. Very very odd. Um, hey, hockey's just around the corner, as we talked about off the top, at Wyshynski, uh, who's at the Rookie Showcase event for the National Hockey League, asked Dustin Wolf about being the goalie of the future for the Flames, but having Jacob Markstrom signed for the next three seasons with a no move. Says Wolf, quote, I think every year you try to go in and push the boundaries. I think this year I put myself in a good position after last season. You know, just try to go into camp and do everything I can to make them make a decision one way or another for what's going to happen. At the end of the day, if you're going to stop pucks, they're going to do something to give you a spot. Ty goes to the veteran. But if you're that much better than the veteran who has had his speed wobbles again, and we know Jacob Markstrom is either one of the best goaltenders in the league or he's very mid. Which Jacob Markstrom will it be? Yeah, I, I expect that uh, you'll see the guy that uh, the Flames thought they were getting when they signed into the big contract, and that's part of the three years left on that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, a couple of years ago was nine shutouts and a yeah. you know, finalist for the Vesna. And then last year, uh, and we saw it here in Vancouver, Jacob can get in his own head, right? Like, I think he can be his own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like that was going on last year. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, they've got this guy who has proven he's too good for the American Hockey League now. They need to find a place for Dustin Wolf to play. But I don't think he's going to supplant Jacob Markstrom just yet. But as he said, you go to camp, you give it your best shot, and you see what happens. You just keep building games played, and then one day, boom, you're the starter. Uh, at the province, uh, you know, local newspaper. Yeah, we know it. More than 626,000 people streamed through the PNE Fairgates this year. Almost 100,000 more than last year's event. I'll admit I didn't get out uh, to this year's PNE, but uh, I'm glad to see that uh, returning to normal, obviously interrupted by COVID when it couldn't happen. Uh, yeah, big crowds, uh, they weren't a thing for a couple of years there. Uh, but that's I a mean, nice bump over last year, and you would think that that's trending to sort of getting back to pre-COVID levels. Yeah, and that, that's interesting to hear that because I would say this was the first year in forever that it wasn't even a consideration for me and my kids. And now my kids are starting to age out a little bit, but I still got a couple that are interested in that sort of thing normally. So that's funny, and I'm glad for them because it's, it's a great thing to have uh, in the quiver for uh for summertime fun. You, you said you didn't get out either? Did not get No concerts, nothing? Nope. No. Uh, at NBC News, just in, Spain fires women's soccer coach and issues apology for Federation President Luis Rubiales' unwanted kiss on the mouth of player Jenny Hermoso during World Cup medal ceremony. Um, again, the president is only suspended right now. The coach got fired. This is the World Cup winning coach. <laughs> Two weeks removed from a World Cup title. And like the coaches, 15 players left the team a year ago from the Spanish Federation, uh, be complaining about him, saying they just can't, he's, uh, you know, oppressive and offensive and all that sort of stuff. And if 50, only three ultimately returned to play on that World Cup team. So there's a dozen national team level players that Spain didn't even use because of this World Cup coach. And Spaniards everywhere can be heard saying, if only our federation could be run as well as Canada's. And that's the thing is like, come on sports. Like everybody seems to be booting this. Is it that hard to run a functional sports organization? Uh, Apparently, the answer is yes. Are you done? I'm done. And that's hashtags for today. It's Garrison Bryce from the Wall Center, and time for errors and omissions. You weren't here for a few days, so this is where you get to kind of sit back, relax. You know what? I, I love it when people send our, our errors and our foibles into the Great Clips inbox, 778-402-9680. Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Um, But, you know, it, it's been a little bit bony here the last few days, so we've been that good. Now, not to say it's been completely uh, free of omissions. For instance, many people have been reaching out, asking us about the NFL pick and pool for this season. And I can tell you, it's on a pause for a season. So an omission there, no NFL pick and pool this season, folks. Multiple reasons for that. We'll hope to have that back up and running for you for, for next year. 
Um, and one other one I can reach for. Brian and Langley was loving the holiday edition of the show yesterday. Piero and Juggy. A lot of fun. If you missed it, go download it, listen to it. It's a different kind of a show. We're, we're, we're talking to fans. And Brian had previously, after the BC Day Long Weekend show, you know, just extolled the virtues of the local broadcasters. And it's actually on the uh, anniversary day of the first ever sports page broadcast today, by the right. way. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and he gave a list of how many great broadcasters have been through the uh, the market. And Brian Langley texted in and said, E&O for myself. I missed Rick Ball on the list of amazing broadcasters that we've had in Vancouver. The text I sent after the Robson interview podcast, apologies, gents, hashtag accountability. And uh, yeah, we got robbed of uh, of Rick here. There's only so many NHL teams in the market, unfortunately. Can't the baller. Yeah, and he's still uh, still playing the trade in Calgary and, and doing a uh, doing a fabulous job. But yeah, so he was in town was it last week playing golf with Moj and Julio. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Well, good to uh, good to see Rick Ball uh, for them then, and uh, he definitely belongs on the list of the all-time greats. All right, time now for our Bodog line of the day, Mr. Jeff Patterson. Yeah, Seahawks open at home against the L.A. Rams. It's a big divisional showdown at Lumen on Sunday. Seahawks are favored by five and a half. I think they covered that. I'm going to take the home team on Sunday. Hawks to get off to a 1-0 start. Your Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. All right, that's it for today. Matt Sikaris back in the fold tomorrow here. We'll go over uh, a lot of what we did today and a lot more as well as we inch closer to training camp for the Vancouver Canucks and the next one up for the other local teams as well. Don't forget to buy local folks, all those fabulous people that make this show hum do support them please and we'll talk to you tomorrow